Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program and thank you for joining us again as we continue to teach the series that we're in on the book of Romans. I, I trust you're enjoying this as much as I am teaching it. We're in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans and uh, we have shared uh, for uh, probably almost this entire year on the program from the book of Romans. I really, really encourage you if you've not seen the prior segments, to go back and, and watch them from the beginning on our YouTube channel, or go back and stream them to your uh, device on your way to work. There are 30-minute segments, and you could probably, in your commute, redeem some time. All of that is available simply by going to my website at lenhouse.com. In the upper right-hand corner, there's links to the YouTube channel, to the podcast, and to an RSS feed for your Android. And you can get them and get caught up with what we're teaching from the book of Romans. And the 12th chapter of Romans, we're going to go there again today because it's talking about not simply being conformed, but being transformed. There's a vast difference between being conformed and being transformed. To be conformed means you are following a set of rules and you are doing something to, to force a behavior that's not coming from the inside of you. The word transform is a Greek word uh, that we get our word metamorphosis from. And so it is like a metamorphosis is like a caterpillar. He simply does what is natural. He starts out as a worm. He starts chewing and spitting, chewing and spitting. First thing you know, he has wrapped himself up in a cocoon. But in that cocoon of solitude, there's a change that's taking place. See, sometimes when we first get saved, it looks like we're wrapped up in, in, in a caterpillar spit and in a cocoon. And it looks like there's no change. We're just a worm. But something's happening that's built into that caterpillar. What's built into that caterpillar is there's a butterfly inside of it. What I want you to know is just come to Jesus. When you come to Jesus, he starts to take that divine nature that's inside of you, and he begins to work on it. And sometimes it is maybe a slow process. But one day, that caterpillar turns into a butterfly and begins to shake and begins to move and begins to break loose out of the confinement of all that has held him in bondage. And that worm has become an, a gorgeous butterfly. That's transformation. Make no mistake about it, at least for me as a grace teacher, I believe that the gospel will change your life. I believe it changes it for the better. Not so you can go to heaven but so heaven can come to you. A lot of the stuff that God wants to do in our lives is not because He doesn't want us to have fun. It's because He knows the stuff that causes death and destruction in our lives, and He's trying to save us, not just from hell, but from the hell that we've created. And He's trying to give us the best life on the planet where His glory can be manifest. And the glory that He wants is for us to express His image and His likeness. For whom He did foreknow, He did also predestinate, watch this, not just to go to heaven or hell, but to be conformed to the image of His Son. And so when He conforms us to the image of His Son, He is doing a work inside of us that makes us like Him from the inside out. Now, let me read to you. I'm going to read this to you from the Message Bible, and I'm going to try to conclude with Romans, the 12th chapter, and this segment. But it says, so here's what I want you to do. I'm reading from the Message. 
God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. In other words, present yourself and say, God, even in my everyday life, whatever I'm doing with my work, I'm going to be a faithful worker. How I treat people around me and my employees or my boss or, or other folks that I wait on, I'm offering that as a sacrifice. That's my sacrifice. I'm offering what I do in my everyday life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you, living then as every one of you does in pure grace. It's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. In this way, we are like various parts of the human body. This is where we start into the next part of this 12th chapter of Romans. In this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of His body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. I think that's a powerful concept. Stop trying to be somebody else and be who you are that God made you. You know, of course, it takes a lifetime sometimes to learn some of this stuff, but you know, we've had a certain measured amount of success. I, I guess it all depends on how you look at it, but I feel like we've been, our ministry's been hugely successful over a 43-year period. I'm not saying that arrogantly. But somebody asked me, said, well, how do you, what do you contribute your success to? And I simply said to them, staying in my assignment and in my lane and preaching my message that God gave me. It was easy to say, well, if I want to fit into this group, you know, I can just modify my message a little bit, new and ah, and shout a little bit and make people feel good and not really bring any transformation. But what I did was I preached the message God gave me when it wasn't popular. And I started getting comfortable being who I am. I used to sit, I'm thinking, I can't, I can remember sitting in services, uh, you know, especially as a young preacher, and I would hear some incredible men of God. I've been blessed to be in some, set under some of the greatest men of God that uh, I, I believe our day has ever had, some incredible, incredible preachers and speakers. And I would sit there and watch them preach and think, man, I wish I could preach like that. God, I wish I could preach like that. And then found out later on 
that they were sitting there thinking the same thing when I was preaching. So, you know, instead of me trying to be like them, I simply was who I am. And that made people admire my gift. But see, I think we can admire each other's gifting and I, and, 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 and realize, wow, you know, I, I look at certain dimensions of how, you know, some people have got just a tremendous ministry when it comes to healing and, uh, you know, miracles. And, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that doesn't happen in our, in our ministry because it does. But there are just some people that are gifted in those areas. I look at the gifting of, you know, uh, uh, you know, I have a son that can just about play anything he can touch and just uh, incredible worshiper. And, you know, I, you know, I, people can look at that and say they envy that particular thing or whatever. But, you know, you probably have a gift that's just, just as important. Sometimes it maybe not be as noticed. I got to give a shout out here to my wife because you never see her much in the front. She's not a speaker. She's, she's a very quiet type person. And I think people are intimidated because she's quiet. But she's really the background type of person. She doesn't care for uh, all the fuss or uh, all the hype that goes on in some of the place. She doesn't care about being seated on the front seat or being in the green rooms or none of that floats her boat. But she is probably the one of the most important parts of our ministry because she runs the administrative side of it. She is, uh, you know, our attorney said, and uh, uh, our uh, accounting firm that we use said, you have the biggest ministry in this county, but you have the cleanest ministry I've ever seen. And I said, well, you know, that's really attributed to my wife because she is a, you know, she, she keeps meticulous books. She's the one that ships the product and, and, uh, and she just uh, behind the scenes and not just that, but just an, an incredible help me to me personally, outside of anything spiritual or religious, we just are best friends. And I can't say enough good about her, but she is such a functioning part of the body of Christ, but never really gets the accolade. She'll be sitting beside of me sometimes in services, and and uh, they'll say, well, it's good to have Dr. House with us, and almost overlook her. And they'll say, the next guy, it's good to have so-and-so and his wife, and so-and-so and his wife. And she's like, am I invisible or what? You know, and sometimes even at restaurants, they'll, they'll come back and 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 maybe feel about everybody's cup but hers. And she's like, I don't know if I'm invisible or what, but she's probably one of the most unsung heroes that that there is. And so what I think we need to do is sometimes stop comparing ourselves and realize that each one of us has some kind of a function. When it comes to order and meticulous stuff, she's gifted in administration. That's all I can say. My others, my son that works with me with television and cameras is gifted in technology and understanding how to edit. And he's helped so many, even ministries other than ours, with stuff with television and how to do things in ministries around the, the, the world that we are uh, around constantly. But each one of us has a function, and it's not always in a service. I'm thankful for people who can come and fix the furnace at the church. I'm thankful for the people who clean the house. I'm glad for people who go visit somebody that's elderly, that's sitting there lonely, wishing somebody would come by and, and just spend a few moments with them. Somebody would just come by, bring them a, a cookie and a cup of coffee and just say, hey, I'm just going to sit and talk with you a little while. See, those to me are incredibly important parts of the function of the body of Christ. Those that learn how to do all kinds of different, and we don't, we, we don't need to go into all the different various kinds of stuff. But he says, but we're, we're all parts of this body and without each other, we, we, without each other, we're cut off. 
Now, you know, and I'm not just even making this about church or the local church or what's inside of the church, but I'm telling you, you've got to be connected. People have disconnected, I think especially through COVID, they've disconnected from, uh, you know, from the, the, the encouragement of the corporate gathering. We need each other. I, I, I frankly enjoyed at first, you know, not traveling as much. And then after a while, I started missing people. But I found that when I did go to the house of the Lord, and man, I'd hear a word that would be encouraging. Now, I think it's a shame if you got to go to a place where there's no not a word that's being encouraged, but it's more doom and despair when you get there. I get it. I wouldn't go there either. But man, I could go to my church and hear a word of exhortation and encouragement and something positive that would lift me up, that would encourage me through this time when people have fought through all kinds of psychological battles. I'm thankful for counselors. And I think sometimes we've made things so spiritual that we, we we don't think sometimes we need professional counseling. I think there are people that are so broken on some levels, they need that. And all of those things are important functions, I think, in the body of Christ. So he goes on to say, you know, here, so since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. I think it's amazing to me that we try to be something that we are. You know, I, I was thinking even when I was a younger, again, a younger preacher, I'm thinking, man, I bought cars to impress other people, not because I wanted to drive them, but because I'm trying to fit in. I, you know, I just, I look back at some of that and think how foolish it is. And then, you know what, I've gotten to a place where I don't know, maybe I'm just too nonchalant, but I'm really not trying to impress anybody. I'm totally happy with what God has made for me. I'm going to celebrate you. I'm going to, if that's what you desire and you like that, I think that's great. And I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. But I'm just saying, you're, you, there's nobody like you on the planet that God made you to be what only you can be. And when you realize that that's what you are, and more and more of what maybe your gifting is can serve us, but as you begin to realize that even your everyday walking around, going to sleep, eating, drinking life that he talked about is part of the gifting of who you are to the people you're around. You're a gift to them. You're a gift to the body of Christ. What do you bring to the table that adds life to it? I think we need to think about that when we're around people is what am I bringing to this body that helps edify it? He goes on to give us some clear instruction. He said, if you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. That'll help somebody who's wanting to preach politics all the time. Well, I'll leave that be. If you help, just help. Don't take over. That'll help somebody too. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. I, I, I think that's so powerful because those, the, the, these are practical things that to me are so powerful because if you've ever been in any kind of ministry, you realize sometimes the people you help the most are the people who turn on you the, uh, the most. I think about even, you know, uh, working with the disadvantaged and how easy it is to get kind of distressed with them. You know, we've had a, 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 a food distribution ministry and we've had, a you know, like a clothing thing uh, where we help people here monthly from the local church that I attend. I'm not the pastor. 
And we have friends all over the country who dispense different things. Like maybe my brother also works with uh, my brother's church is primarily focused on uh, opioid addicted people and their families, and he's really helping them to come out. And it's easy to see people fail over and over and get irritated with them or the disadvantage and get irritated with them or get depressed by what you see. Because I think about sometimes, I was thinking the other day that we probably, you know, there's a, a brother in our church that has been, and his wife who have done, been the head of this ministry for years of just feeding people. And uh, I think, you know, man, they, they, they know what time and they show up and they come and get that food. But in all the years that we have given food and distributed and helped people, because that's what we should do, I think there has been very, very few that have come back or even visited the church and think, where does this even come from? So it's easy to get, you know, uh, irritated or uh, discouraged with people and get irritated with them. Hey, but he says, but keep your eyes open, be quick to respond. And then he says, keep a smile on your face. Don't get depressed by it, but keep a smile on your face. That, that's pretty, that's probably easier said than done. But uh, you know what, what powerful stuff. He said, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run, from, run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply, practicing playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep your eyes, yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully and expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy and share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll, I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. What Paul is doing as we come into the latter part of the study on Romans is, remember, the first part was diagnosis. The second part was the deliverance. And now this third part is the outworking or the expression of everything that he's done all in us through this study of the book of Romans. And he's giving us, I think, some very clear practical things of how to get along with everybody and, and, and how to manifest this living sacrifice. Presenting your body as a living sacrifice, your everyday walking around, going to bed, eating, sleeping, drinking life, and he's shown you how this behavior is a result of the transformation that's in your heart, is that you're not prideful, you start to love from the center of who you are. You know what's amazing to me is, is that even when I started to understand the gospel of grace, I, I noticed that even my attitudes had changed because the way I viewed people, well, that, you know, when you see somebody that was like a neighbor that was doing something you didn't like, and you're like, well, boy, that just look at that, look at that dirty, rotten center. I can't hardly walk across the road there and talk to him. But then you start to see them through a different paradigm. And then all of a sudden you realize I'm loving my neighbor now, not because I have to but because God's done such a work in my heart of seeing that, listen, 
I'm not who I am because of how good I am. I'm good. I, I am because of what he's done in me. And maybe this guy hasn't even, you know, maybe he's, maybe, maybe and I've found sometimes that these guys probably got more uh, nature of Christ doing some of these things in than even Christians. Because you know what? Sometimes it's the guy that you didn't think that walks across the street and helps you out in the time of trouble. But he simply is telling us practical outworking things. Celebrate and be happy with those who celebrate. Mourn with those who mourn. Don't treat people like nobodies. Set yourself up on a pedestal. You know, I think sometimes some of the most underestimated people are people that we may have looked at that, you know, I think if you invest in people that can't give you anything back, then there's really something happened in your heart to do that. But really what I've seen is sometimes the very people, I, I said this all over the world, the key to the palace for Joseph was not the guy in the palace. It was the guy he shared a jail cell with when he was in prison that you might have underestimated with. And I've told the story of a young man who's a friend of mine. I won't say his name, but, uh, you know, he's a, he's a dear friend of mine. And the first time he ever met me in person, he'd watch me on TV a lot. And he was just totally starstruck. And I mean, he I, it was like, I could tell he was starstruck, but, uh, you know, he wanted to get pictures taken, all that. And I'm, 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 I have no problem with that. But anyway, this guy was just, you know, he, he had some struggles, I think, with maybe mildly being autistic. Uh, but, you know, it, most people wouldn't have given him the time of day. But I, I, I spent time with him. And I, I, I literally, even he came to a meeting and uh, the pastor decided to uh, get the, the, where I was coming, knew he loved me. So he said, I'm just going to give him a room and let him stay and come to the meeting. And I said, well, let me drive him back and forth to church. Well, what I, you know, on the way back and forth to church, him and I were talking and, uh, you know, uh, I was sharing with him. My sister had uh, at that time had COVID, was in the hospital. And uh, this boy reached over, took me by the hand and started praying in the Holy Ghost. And when the, he began to pray in the Holy Ghost, the presence of God filled that car. And in that moment, when I, I saw the anointing come on this young man, I said, boy, I have underestimated this kid. You know, in other words, you're thinking like, I, you know, you, I'm really not seeing the full gifting that's in him. But we sat there in that car. The power of God came in. The Lord touched my sister. But that night, or the next night, I guess it was, I was married, I, I just, I, I said, listen, I want you to come up here and join me in ministering to these people because there's a gifting in you. And I, I just want you to come stand with me and minister to these people. And so, you know, recognizing sometimes that gift or even someone who's disadvantaged or someone, uh, you know, that I, I think you can change your world a lot, even by, you know, if, I, if there's young people listening to me, find that kid that's sitting by themselves that's isolated at a table and go over and join them for lunch. Accept them into your friendship. You might find that they become some of the most loyal people. I think some of the most instrumental people. As I look back over 43 years of ministry in my life, some of the most instrumental and faithful people that I now have that are part of my life were people that nobody else would have taken a look at. I say to preachers all the time who, listen, Treat the guy who picked you up at the airport as good as you treat the pastor. You know, my dad used to sometimes, uh, he wouldn't dress up for church. He would look like just maybe some guy that not fell off the street, but he just wouldn't be all dressed up. He didn't look like the pastor. And he would watch and see how guest ministries would come in and treat him because the moment they found out he was the pastor, they changed their tunes and it was a whole different deal. Up until then, they didn't have the time, you know, to even look in his direction. I think that's wrong. I think what he's saying here is this is the way the body of Christ functions, is that you start to realize that everybody is an important part 
of the function of this part, this body. It's easy to get yourself lifted up and think more highly of yourself than you ought. But Paul says in this place, learn to play second fiddle sometimes. Learn to celebrate somebody else's successes, and they'll learn how to celebrate yours. And then he gets to tell you, you know, I mean, he's literally telling us how to change the world is you can bless your enemies. Don't, don't give cursing or blessing, curse not. He said, you know, don't be cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends. Share tears with them uh, when, they're, when, when, when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. You see that? Don't be the great somebody. Make friends with nobodies. I'm telling you, those are people sometimes that are valuable treasures that are yet unmined. Is some of the people that you thought, and I got, man, I can, my mind can go to several people that I think of that people have so underestimated that, you know, I, you know, um, we, we have, we've had several mentally challenged children that go to our church. And over the country, even as I've traveled, because I've been around that a little bit in our church, it makes me, you know, being willing, because people don't understand them, they sometimes avoid them. But some of the most loving, even spiritual people that I've ever met, some of the biggest praisers I've ever met, were mentally challenged. And some of the hardest works, we used to have a young boy at our church named Tommy. Tommy's going on to be with the Lord now. But man, I'm telling you, when it came work day, Tommy was there. He mixed concrete. He carried concrete blocks. And then he would go around the neighborhood, and he would ask for a cup of coffee, and he would visit people. And so they would sit on the porch with him, and Tom would just... Uh, he'd go rake people's yards. He just was a blessing, blessing, blessing to our lives. And we miss him dearly there in our church. But he was such a blessing. And when he first came there, he was kind of violent. And when they moved there, uh, it got him out of the city. And he was kind of, but he settled so down. And he really settled down because my dad really kind of took him under his arm and kind of loved on him. And and his own parents, then their lives were trans, trans, uh, uh, transformed by the gospel and by their relationship with Jesus. And God turned that whole thing around where Tommy was just a blessing to be around. This may not seem deep or profound to you, but this is what the world needs, as they need somebody to think about. Watch the kid that's probably, you know, uh, you know, got tattoos all over them or spikes. Sometimes, uh, you know, we want to criticize them, but maybe there's something deeper under them that you might need to take a moment and consider. And then maybe there's not something wrong with them. But what I'm simply saying is there may be some deeper things going on in people's lives. But he says this, don't hit back, discover beauty in everyone. And you've got it in, you get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting evil. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And uh, it's, it, 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 what happens is that your generosity will transform the life of those around about you. We're in the manifestation part of this. We've finished the diagnosis and the deliverance. And now we're dealing with the outworking of that, and it's very practical. But thank you for joining us. We're just about out of time on this Romans 12 segment. So if you would like to sow seed into the ministry and give to help support the gospel of grace in the kingdom around the world, simply go to the website or scan the QR code that's on there, and it'll take you directly to a link where you can give through our PayPal portal, through your Visa, MasterCard, uh, or debit cards, however you'd like to give. Oh, you also send a check or money order to the address that'll come on the screen, or you can call the number that'll come on the screen, and someone will take your call where you can give over the telephone. Thank you so much for joining us. Join us again next week. God bless you. 
I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.